This is Kyle Hartung from Jobs for the Future, or JFF, and this is the Building Equitable Pathways podcast. In this series, leaders from across the country working at the intersection of K-12 education, post-secondary education and training, and workforce development will share their insights and perspectives grounded in practice to shed light on the why and the how of identifying and dismantling inequitable structural and systemic barriers to improve educational and career outcomes for youth. So far this season, we've talked about the necessity for change and what the work of realizing change looks and feels like in practice. One apparent and recurring theme is that change work does not happen in isolation. It's a communal activity. We've talked about working with partners, but today we want to talk about the idea of champions. How do dynamics change when you go from working with someone to being true collaborators and even co-conspirators in an effort to create something new? What does it mean to champion something or someone in our work? Who are the champions we need? To dig into this topic, it's my pleasure to welcome two leaders in our community to share how they cultivate and work alongside Equitable Pathways champions, including youth, community members, policymakers, and industry leaders. Hi, I'm Maude Dodant, and I'm the Executive Leader for Career Connect Washington. Hi, I'm Sarah Bell. I'm the Chief of Industry Exposure and Experience for Youth Force NOLA. Thank you both so much for joining us today. To kick us off, I would love for each of you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your work, and in particular, for whom or for what do you see yourself as a champion in this work? Maud, can you get us started? Great to be here with you and Sarah. As a champion of CCW, which is Career Connect Washington, I'm very committed to this vision we have that every young person has lots of ways to find success in their life, that they find life fulfillment, they find something that will sustain them economically, and that it should be given as an opportunity to each young person in our state, that it doesn't it doesn't matter what your zip code, race, gender, demographic, in other ways, is, that it's our responsibility as a state to make sure that those opportunities present themselves. And And as for championship, I think you know it when you feel like there is that passion in someone for that exact vision. Thank you. Sarah, what about you? For whom or for what do you see yourself as a champion? Excited to be here to talk today. I would say I was really drawn to this work actually because of my oldest child and her friend. I have a sticky note on my desk here at Youth Force that says Ruby and the gang. And they're really my why. So over the last 16 years, you know, just watching them grow up into these unique individuals with lots of different skills and interests and backgrounds. I really think of them as kind of a microcosm of the young people in New Orleans. And I know that their pathways to success will need to look just wildly different because of who they are as individuals. And I really see my position professionally, but also my position as a mother and as a trusted adult in a lot of kids' lives, that this is a real opportunity to champion on their behalf. So for me, it's really personal, you know, positive outcomes for Ruby and her friends and their younger siblings and every other young person in New Orleans is really non-negotiable to me. And so hearing you even name for yourselves, like your own champion, championness. And as you consider your deep experience in, in this work that we're doing, how do you think about champions more broadly? Who are they in your work and how do they differ from other partners that you may work with? 
So, you know, we like to say at Youth Force that like, if a person who partners with us is at a cocktail party or like, in our context, a crawfish boil or a festival, that they are talking about Youth Force NOLA, that they are willing to use their reputation, their Rolodex, really to help move the work of the organization forward in whatever context they find themselves in, whether professional or personal. Maud, what about you? How do you think about this broader idea of a champion? I think champions, as I mentioned, are deeply passionate about this work, maybe because they are seeing it at a big picture level, 30,000 feet. And I find that among a lot of business leaders, for example, they really understand the need for more young people to have these opportunities and they need these opportunities. They need them to, to take advantage of opportunities to have employees. So they, they kind of have that understanding. It's not always a personal connection, but then as you go to different audiences, like you think about educators, educators have to be champions at this. And almost every single educator I can think of that has had an experience of building a pathway for a young person, seeing them evolve, develops this really core passion for this work, like sees that this is different than having a student that's confined only to a classroom experience. They see the agency and purpose that that students develop, I think. Uh, Students themselves are amazing champions of this work, and it's because they can articulate better than anybody what was transformational about it for them, why it is that they felt like they came into it one way and they exited a different way. Community leaders are different because they start to forge these connections, especially for kids in their communities that are actually not able to access opportunity. And then they see them accessing it and they get jazzed and they start to be, you know, spokespeople, advocates and champions of the work. So it just depends. People access it from so many different vantage points. And that's one of the beauties of the work that Sarah and I do is that we do cross so many different kinds of people but they are motivated and actually driven by very unique circumstances in their worlds that that help them see the connection and the the need for this. And it's very it's very unique to each person. Mm, I would love to follow that thread for a minute. You know, so we go from someone who sees a need and it becomes personal in some way. I'm sure that there have been moments in your own practice as you're engaging with folks in the policy realm or folks in the in the employment sector, is there a time or a moment or a, a pattern in your practice where you get stuck on an idea that needs to move forward or a policy or a program that needs to change or evolve? How do you go about actually then cultivating or activating a champion in a way that can change the dynamic of that situation? Sarah, maybe what does that look like when you're connecting with employers? Like, How do you activate or cultivate them toward we're in yeah. the right direction. So what we know is that employers are not created equal. So champions in that space have to look different, often based on the size of their company. So you know, we have larger employer partners that really understand talent needs because they have the capacity to have the data and do the analysis. So they you know, are really in a position to champion the relevance of our work kind of in the broader business and political community. As employers, they have kind of the muscle to put behind it and the funding to put behind it as well. They host more interns because of their size. They can hire our alumni. You know, and our job in cultivating those relationships is helping them see all of the different entry points for their companies and 
our role is helping them see the value add in the partnership. But for the smaller companies, you know, they tend to be more connected to the community needs. Like Maude was saying, they have really strong relationships with families, with educators, you know, other community stakeholders. And so they're the ones encouraging students to apply for our internship program. They're recommending other emerging businesses to partner, to provide career exploration in our schools. And so we know that we need both sets of champions because our stakeholders are across all sectors of the community. And for our collective work to have the results that we're looking for, we need those champions to be able to make sure that we have buy-in across the community at large. Do you think that they see themselves as champions? And if not, is there value in helping them understand the impact they're having in the ways that they participate and show up like this? Some see themselves as champions. They have platforms that they know that they are standing on. Um, They have a large voice. They have a larger perceived power in the community. I think others, our smaller employer partners that we would consider champions, might not recognize that as much. Something that we're really thinking about how we improve on is creating a network of champions, because I think there's real value in employer champions leveraging kind of their champion status, if you will, amongst each other, raising up the voices of the smaller employers and showing the impact that they can have in the broader community and with larger employers. You know, our smaller champions that have been taking interns year after year and are continuing on in that mentor relationship really have a lot to, you know, teach some of our other employers who are not quite there, but are larger So we're looking at creative ways to help build that larger community of champions and network of champions so that they're continuing to kind of push each other in the work as well. I really hear that in the way you use the word network in that sense, right? There's not a hub and spoke model here. And Maude, I'm curious, do you see something similar in Washington as you think about the legislative context and folks participating in the policy realm and having these conversations? What does the cultivation of champions there look like? Are they networked? Are you supporting that in any way? The foundation of Career Connect Washington has been that we are a collective action approach. So Career Connect Washington is not an organization. It is a collection of people who are aligned to actually grow a system that is that is nourishing these pathways for young people and integrating them into our current education system. So it's composed of just a really literally thousands of people across the state at this stage who have kind of raised their hand and said, I'm in, I like this. They may not see themselves as champions, but they're all, I call them ambassadors. They're like, as soon as you're in, as soon as you're joining our force, you are an ambassador for CCW and we appreciate you and we are supporting you to get to that vision of many choices for young people to get to success. To tie that to the legislative effort, we tap into that broad stakeholder network every time we have like a hearing (laughs) in front of a legislative committee. And we get literally, you know, dozens of people signing up or even signing in to testify on behalf of CCW. And we don't try to be prescriptive about it. We just throw out the opportunity to everybody and we sort of see who shows up. Now, they show up and they show up big time every time asked. And sometimes there are some core voices that we absolutely need to make show up. And so we push on those people. And that is like the voice of the big business associations in the state or our labor council in the state. 
we make sure we have regional cross-state representation in who shows up. Student voice doesn't just usually show up because lives are complicated. They have many other things to do. So we nurture that and we nurture that through our program building mechanism and so on, people who are connected to the students. It's an interesting journey to observe. It's kind of one of my greatest pleasures in life to sit in a hearing and listen to other people describing this initiative back to the legislature. It's so powerful and it's it really does tell the story better than I could possibly. So these folks that are showing up to support the building of these systems there has to be something there for them to show up to do. And so I want to make sure we don't overly suggest that like, you know, champions are just there and they're already plugged in. Like you have created conditions in your contexts that have helped to nurture them, right? How do they know when to show up and in what ways and what gets them to show up? Could you pull the curtain back on that a little bit in terms of what you're looking for, the conditions you're creating so that these champions that do exist in your ecosystems know where to go and know what to do. Sarah, what, is, what, what does that look like in New Orleans? We have many ways that employers can engage in our work. And we try to be really intentional about connecting employers to the opportunities that make the most sense for them based on their value proposition, based on their priorities for their ways that they want to engage in the community, want to engage in schools for their talent development objectives. We feel like our job is to you know, really augment the capacity of our partners. We want to make it easy for them to be engaged at a high level, you know, to whatever extent that they can, and for them to find meaning and value in it. We don't want this to be you know, just opportunities for them to you know, check a box to do something for the quote unquote or kids of the city. But we want them to see this as a value add for them, a way to begin to or continue to diversify their talent pipeline. So for us, it's helping to show them the pathway and show why their engagement is so important and vital to the success, not only of the young students, but also to their future workforce and their talent needs. And our job is really to make the connections and kind of let it unfold as it will. Maud? So intentionally at the beginning of Career Connect, we seeded some, I'd say, foundational things that have helped us a lot. And one of those foundational things was we were fortunate to have about a dozen really, I called them the bell cows of state industry leadership, (laughs) who were spread across all the industry sectors of our state, who helped guide the original vision of how to make this all come together. And we asked each of those employers to host a workshop of their peers with us. And that peer-to-peer, I cannot stress enough how critical that is, at least for us in the employer segment in particular. There was quite a bit of, I'd say, history and experience that employers had with workforce programs in general that led them to be somewhat skeptical about what this was. Why is this different? How is this going to change the way things have gone for us? I think some of that history was an impediment, honestly, to trying to get engagement. So we did these workshops in an attempt to kind of unpack all that a little bit, but really ask them going forward what kinds of things that they would like to see work differently. What we heard loud and clear 
is that each of these employers had a number of already existing activities they were trying to do to connect with young people. It wasn't like this was a new idea, right? As they went around the room and each of them described what they were doing, after about three people, another employer would say, wow, we do the exact same things. This makes no sense. We spend tons of time trying to develop these things. We're all doing them. Why don't we do collaborative work together? Why don't we have more of a system approach? So pretty quickly, they said we should work together. So it was very helpful to have those peer-to-peer conversations led by very well-respected, well-regarded CEOs in each of our sectors. And from that, we tried to build off of that to have new employers engage, talk to new potential employers who might engage, especially if they were in the same industry, to say, here's that work for us. Once an employer actually does one of these things, Sarah, I'd be curious about your experience here, but they become pretty much addicted to it. It's motivating to the employees in the company and they become very invested in the success of the young people and start to just think about how could I support this young person to their next step. One of the things I love about this space is it's just this win, 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 win. It's just such a positive set of experiences for all the players around it. It just energizes people and gets people excited and most importantly, the student. So I concur with everything Maud has said. You know, our employers, when they do, you know, engage with our young people and our programming and our partners programming, you know, it's always such a positive experience. And if there are any hiccups, like we have mechanisms in place to address that and, you know, make sure that they are still bought into the larger vision, understanding that, you know, nobody's perfect, things happen, but we're here to course correct quickly for the good of of everybody at the table. And one thing we're learning also is that with these larger employer champions, just the importance of kind of heart of the champion, that that is permeated throughout the company. You know, it can't live with just the CEO. It can't live with just the HR director because people go to different jobs. Companies get bought out. Things change. And so, you know, realizing that we really need to be strategic in our relationship building, even once we consider an employer a champion. We need to have multiple layers of individual champions within the larger, you know, kind of corporate champion so that when there is turnover, when things do change, that company itself is still the champion and somebody else can carry the mantle and we can continue. It's part of who they are. It's like in their DNA. Like This is part of my public responsibility, my commitment to young people. And I want to follow up on one piece there. And I hear you both talking about senior leaders who are champions and employers coming together, realizing that they have common problems. I'm wondering, have you seen examples of employers championing collaboration, essentially with their competitors in the spirit of building a talent pipeline that will benefit the industry rather than focus on the unique ROI to their own company? I can jump in on that just because it you know, struck me when you asked the question so clearly a good example of this in Washington. The employers had been thinking at a policy level about what do we do about higher education generally in our state to make it more accessible, to increase the participation and completion rates and so on. And Career Connect was evolving about the same time. It was striking that two of the major employers in technology in the state stepped forward and said, and supported 
an increase in the business and occupation tax to specifically create a big fund. And it's called the Workforce Education Investment Account. And it was to expand the financial aid system in the state, what's called the Washington College Grant Program, and to establish funding for Career Connect Washington. I was struck by the fact that they actually stepped up and led that. Very unusual <laughs> to do that. But they saw the connections. They saw that, you know, without investment, they were not going to be able to see the kinds of um, candidates, honestly, from from Washington State, from our own backyard, uh, that could actually uh, be successful in securing a job in their in their sector. I want to open back up, if we could, a similar question as we think about champions in the policy realm. Is there a way, Maude, that you engage policymakers by design differently than you would employers as you're working with them on on focusing where their commitments are and the ways that they collaborate with one another? I think with policymakers, our main our main messenger, as best as we can provide it, and it's not always easy, is the student voice directly. And we do a couple of things there. And again, we, we feel like we're still finding our way here, Kyle. We do virtual tours of our programs with legislators several times a year. What's cool about virtual is you can hop from Spokane over to Yakima, over to Puget Sound, and one tour and see students across the whole state in very different industry pathways. For example, you know, healthcare or IT or advanced manufacturing or into the trades. So I think the voice of the student, the experience, seeing a student actually doing this, it always, like all of a sudden you notice the legislators on a call like that. They are looking at what's happening. They are not on their devices. They are completely engaged. They ask a million questions. It tells the story so much better than anything that we could do as kind of adult communicators in this situation. So I think that's the most powerful thing to work with the legislature. You know, we produce a ton of data. Some legislators are very data rich oriented and they they want that data. So we can do that. But honestly, I think facts and figures really don't carry the day. I think it's a powerful student experience that really carries the day. Before you were, you were both talking about the important role that people in positions of power and authority do play, right? CEOs can play an important role in this conversation or folks that others in the community are already looking to and like, wow, I want that person in my court or I have that person in my court. Let's move. Let's move quickly. But you're introducing this other side of the equation, Maud, that there are other voices that we need at the table and power is at play here. And so, Sarah, I'm, I'm curious in, in your own work. What are the ways that you've gone about cultivating champions in youth and families in the name of centering equity in this work? What does that conversation look like? Yeah, absolutely. You know, student voice is one of our largest values. We want to make sure that those that we are doing this work for have a seat at the table and can tell their own truth in little ways, you know, having former interns show up in the employer orientations for the next cohort, making sure that you know future supervisors of our interns are hearing about the experience from somebody who has lived it, understanding the impact that they will have for good or bad, depending on what, how good of an intern supervisor they are, hearing that straight 
from the young people themselves. And to Maud's point, you know, having a young person tell their story is the most impactful conversation that we can cultivate. And we really see it as our job to make sure that young people have that opportunity. We, the adults in the room don't need to be speaking on their behalf all of the time. And, you know, part of my job on the employer side is making sure that our employer partners see the inherent value of our young people, understand what they are bringing into their workspaces. They may not work with teenagers very often, any other situation. So for us, it's helping to kind of set the table, making sure that they understand how to create the welcoming environments so that a young person can flourish. Because once the intern is there, they're hitting it out of the park 10 out of 10 times. But we need to make sure that the employers are open to receiving that from, from young people. Once they do, like the student, the intern has, has so much power, recognized power. So for us, it's kind of breaking down the walls, removing the barriers so that the young people can shine whenever they're there. You say these things and they're fluid. It's almost like they're organic. This is, this is built into your DNA, Sarah. And I'm, but I'm curious, what might you say as you think about the work of, of champions and championing, as you talk about and center student and family voice? And create a place for power there to arise for other folks who are interested in taking on this work who are the leaders that we need or who are the leaders that we need to be to ensure that these conditions are created across the country and that they're not you know unique to new orleans or unique to washington because you are there leading this work we need leaders that are leading with authenticity who are not looking to be you know the top dog in the game, that they are looking for ways to empower others to lead. I think it's just so important for leaders in our spaces as intermediaries to be looking for opportunities to push others forward because you know we are establishing ourselves as leaders, but we're not going to be here forever. We can't do the work on our own. Maud said earlier, it is really a collective that has to kind of be in place and established to move the needle and to push the work forward for our young people. I think that starts with authenticity to build meaningful relationships across the aisle, across industries, across schools and school districts. And people, I think, are drawn to that, right? Like people know fake and our young people know when it's not really about them, um, when it's about the adults and the egos. I think we need leaders who can rise above that, can draw people into the momentum of the work, not for themselves, but for the work itself and for the young people. You know, I like to think of it as the servant leader sort of model, where you're really there to help support the vision and the cause and you're trying to enable others to get the support they each need to actually participate meaningfully in that journey with you and actually not even with you it's like you just want to enable it to happen uh, in a way that it can scale and be available to every single young person who's interested in doing this and i think people who become champions are drawn to that same 
model. They embrace it. They understand it. They're not in it because it's necessarily good for them individually. Like you were asking earlier, Kyle, it's it's more about the collective. It's, they become even more emphatic about it once they experience it. So you, you mentioned a couple of times, you know, this bipartisanship and sort of across the aisle kind of stuff. And I find that by leading with student experience and to some degree employer experience also at the core of the the work, that partisanship falls away. It's like that that isn't even in the dialogue. It's like each person is coming to this thinking about it from the standpoint of their own experience as a young person themselves coming through their own educational lives. They're thinking about it in the context of their children or their nieces and nephews or people that they are knowing that may be struggling to some degree on an educational pathway. I think you're just relating to them as a human being who is trying to help support other young people in their life. And once you're there, you're on the same path together. You sort of, you know, we're going to climb that mountain together. We're going to get this done. It's really common sense to many people. So if you can tap into that, that's the key. Maud and Sarah, thank you both so much for your passion and your prowess and for the precision you bring to this work, for being exactly the types of leaders you describe and exactly the type of leaders we need in the field right now to do this work. Thanks, Kyle. Well, thanks, Kyle. It's Sarah, pleasure to spend a little time with you. One of the things that stood out to me in today's conversation is that as much as cultivating and developing champions means meeting people where they are and finding what they are passionate about, it's also about leading with authenticity and being a good listener. Sometimes in our work, we may fall into a trap of leaving our own experiences at the door or leaning into generalities. But leaning into the authenticity of what draws you to this work and what you value is a powerful way of connecting with others. And listening closely can allow us to forge the right relationships and the right moments that can help us weather the ups and downs that inevitably come when working to bring about change in the pioneering work of centering racial equity in our efforts. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to helpful resources related to Maude and Sarah's work. We hope they are helpful in your own efforts to bring the right partners to the table to support youth in your systems. In our next episode, we're going to continue to focus on the topic of champions and leadership, but with a shift in perspective to focus on the personal work we need to do to become the leaders we need to be. Thanks for listening to Building Equitable Pathways, brought to you by JFF. Together, we're driving transformation of the American workforce and education systems to achieve equitable economic advancement for all. To learn more about Building Equitable Pathways and our coalition of partners, visit us online at jff.org. And we want to hear from you and have you join the conversation. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast, and tune in for our next episode. This is Kyle Hartung from JFF, signing off until next time.